Hi, I'm Meredith. Hi, I'm Joseph, and you are listening to Are You Waiting for Permission? It's a podcast for those who don't want to wait any longer. Mm. All right. Good morning, good morning. Hello. Hi, Joseph. It is fabulous to see you. It's always great to see you. You look sun-kissed. Have you been in the sun? Yes. Oh, well, it's delightful. And I am not a big person about talking about the weather because I feel like that's such an easy go-to at the beginning Mm. of a conversation with somebody, but I'm going to go to the weather right now because the summer in New York this year has, I feel, and this could be debatable depending on who you are, has been beautiful. And today it's like, 77 and there's a little bit of a breeze and I did some Pilates in the park. It's like, mm, you know, not too hot and balmy like everyone usually complains about. Mm. So I just had to share that with you. Same here in Mexico. And I don't want to ask our guests about the weather where she is. (laughs) I want to ask our guests, Judy Reeves, what was dinner time like in your house when you were growing up? When I was growing up, Joseph, before I moved to California, I lived in Missouri, um, in St. Joe, and then in a little town called Kansas City. And we sat around a wooden table, my four sisters, my mother and my father, and we ate good, wholesome Midwest food. And that meant you got your meat, you got your starch, you got your salad. And your salad was um, iceberg lettuce with a dollop of mayo and maybe some tomatoes from the garden. (laughs) Kool-Aid. An aluminum um, can, or aluminum uh, glasses. Mm. Aluminum glasses? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'll take it. And what was it like for you, Meredith? Uh, It was my brother, myself, my mom, and my dad. It was very important that we all sat down at dinner. We lived in a two-story house, and often we were called to the table by my dad yelling up the stairs, it's time for dinner, really loud a few times. And then we would gather at the table, and my dad would talk about work, and we would eat. (laughs) And it usually was like a vegetable medley that was frozen or canned, pork chops and a starch. And I remember I would hide my lima beans that were in that little vegetable medley under the plate as if they wouldn't be discovered there. (laughs) How about you, Joseph? Improviser. Well, mine was um, noisy as hell. So I was the youngest of eight children, plus there was a dog and two parents. Typically, my father was there. Not always. Sometimes he would work late. And I just remember so much noise in the family. And that's why I escaped many years ago and why I really, really crave quiet now. And the other thing I'll say about dinner is that there were not enough chairs for all of us. So I sat on a step stool, like a ladder for like the first 10 years of my life (laughs) until somebody moved out and I could actually get a proper chair. Do you have a reaction to ladders now when people offer one? Like if you came to my place in Manhattan, you would be sitting on a stool, not a ladder. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would feel right at home. Really, really. (laughs) So can we introduce our guests this morning, please. I want to know what Meredith does with her lima beans now. <laughs> I eat them like a big girl. <laughs> and I don't buy frozen or canned lima beans. So they don't have that weird, chalky, gritty. Ugh. 
<laughs> that could be a really great starter question. What does Meredith Grundy do with her lima beans? So Judy Reeves is a writer, teacher, and writing practice provocateur who believes our stories connect us as human beings. And through these connections, we find our commonalities. How beautiful is that? And out of that, we grow in understanding and compassion. And can I say that Judy Reeves is also my friend and has been my writing coach many years ago when I was first starting to put pen to paper, and that's how we met. And good morning, good morning, hello. Good morning and hello, and how wonderful. I can't wait to hear your stories, Joseph, of those early writing days. Mm. So, Judy, I'm super curious about... You obviously have, in many different ways, given yourself permission in your lifetime. You started San Miguel or San Diego Writers Inc. You had the Writing Center for many years in San Diego. You've written two books. You don't really strike us as somebody who's sat around waiting for things. Is that true? Or am I making that up? You are not making that up. And when I, I have to tell you. When I was um, in drama in my eighth grade class, one day coming late to class, because I always did, my drama teacher wouldn't let me in the door. He said with his, you know, I was up against the wire fence and he said, Judy Gray, you are a rebel. And I had never felt so seen in my whole life (laughs) (laughs) when he said that. And that is how I gave myself permission and it got me in some trouble sometimes because I rebelled against things that uh, some of the things I should not have rebelled against probably, but it was, is that, does that feel right to me? That doesn't feel right. This feels more right. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And as I say, sometimes it was trouble and sometimes, but more often it was not trouble. Yeah. And what about being a writer? Tell us about that path for you. About permission about being a writer? Or how you found it, how you discovered oh, it? Oh, I Gosh, I'm sure going back to my childhood a lot today. <laughs> but I will go back there one more time because this is when it happened. Um, uh, my uh, my third grade teacher, we have spelling words and we have to put them in sentences. It's a common teaching practice, right? So the spelling word was carrot. And I made a sentence about a rabbit and a carrot, of course, what else? And my teacher, and it felt really good and exciting to make that sentence. There was something that happened when I created a, a whole sentence that had I, I don't know, it had action in it, it had story in it. So I wrote the sentence and then my teacher said, Class, listen to what Judy wrote. Oh, wow. So not only did I have the, the rightness and the thrill of creating something and knowing how, you know, how, how good that feels when you hit that groove, um, even if you don't know what to call it, and then to have the teacher say, yes, this is, you know, look what Judy did. You know, I, I was seen once again, you know, and, and so that was my earliest um, recollection. I always wanted to be... Brenda Starr, reporter, who was in the Sunday papers. This is before both of your times, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, she was this ravishing redhead. I'm coming back next life as a redhead. Long (laughs) red hair. And she was a reporter. And she traveled the world searching stories and adventures. And then she would write about them. And I knew that was going to be my life. 
And, and so with twists and turns, that has been my life. I've been a writer since, uh, you know, since I could first make a sentence come together. Mm. And I'm still doing it. You are still doing it. Yeah, I wrote about 70 sentences today. <laughs> what did you uh, write? I wrote in my journal, just my morning practice of light the candle, read something inspiring, um, you know, get the coffee, open the journal, write what wants to be written. So, Judy, I want to say thank you so much for, for sharing that story with us. And I want to touch upon something you said about your teacher, your teacher validating you, your teacher giving you this opportunity to read in front of your class. And it just makes me think about how important it is for us to recognize our words around younger people and how important it is that we're careful with them and that we can find ways to lift them up. Because I would imagine there's a lot of our listeners, including myself, can we have these memories of people who didn't lift up our voices or we weren't seen in those moments and how it has affected us as adults. And so it's even more important now in our adult life to find those people that will lift you up. And so I just want to acknowledge what a beautiful gift you were given early on in your journey and how important and it is for us as adults now to be responsible when we bring up the next generation. Thank you. And, you know, Meredith, I can tell you a story that is the opposite of that. Yeah. And that was uh, on an art field trip. And I'm not an artist. I'm a, a, a shy, messy, sloppy, embarrassed artist because of an instructor, a teacher. I'm making my drawing. We were out at um, the out at the bay in, in San Diego. I'm making my drawing. And he gave me a look. He looked at my picture. He gave me a look. And I knew it wasn't good. And I have hid, hidden my art, any art making until I got permission from my dear friend who you've had on your podcast before, Jill Hall, to just like make sloppy art and have fun with it. You know, and Joseph can can certainly respond to that. I know, too. But you're right. It's the those messages. Sometimes it's not even words. It's a look. Yeah. A sigh. Let me speak to, to those of us who didn't get yeses who our sentences about rabbits and carrots were not read in front of the, in front of the classroom. And we got stuck there. And I'm wondering, Judy, if you can help our listeners who are looking for a yes now, are looking to be creative or write a book or do a collage, whatever it is that they're wanting to create now. And they're wondering how to get unstuck from that place of, I didn't get it when I was young. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm still waiting around for it. And, and I'm still not creating. I'm still not manifesting my, my most brilliant self for a number of reasons. What do you want to say to them? I want to invite them to come to a drop-in writing practice group or drop-in art-making group. Joseph, I think that's how you and I first met was at a Tuesday Brown Bag writing group yes. where you come in, um, you get a prompt you know, first we set the circle by reading the guidelines for writing practice, which we adapted from Natalie Goldberg's Wild Mind uh, or, Wild, or Writing Down the Bones, one of, one of her two early books. Read those rules for writing practice. Here is the prompt. Now write for 15 minutes. Now, who would like to read? And you don't have to read if you don't want to read. 
Um, but you're invited to because we do want to hear your voice. And then there's no critique or feedback on the writing. We're all just silent witnesses to the writer's process. And so we create a safe circle for this writing. And um, is, is, that has, I mean, I've been doing those writing practice groups since 1993. And uh, before that, I was doing, the, doing it with journal groups. And it is that Writing alone together, you know, writing alone, writing alone, writing together so that you have that support of the others with you, because I think it's scarier to do it alone than it is with other people. I think this is why community means so much to me. If I have somebody there who's feeling the same way and I can tell that they're shy because maybe they talk about it, you know, maybe they, I see that, um, this is my first time reading and my voice is going like this or my heart's beating and, and we acknowledge that and say, yeah, me too. You know, yeah, me too. Artist's way. I know you all talk about the artist way and that has made such a difference for so many people. But, you know, I think not believing that this is for, when you say, when somebody says, what do you do? <laughs> and you say, I'm a writer. And they say, you know the oh, line. Have you been published? Exactly. And writing is not about being published. You know, it's about it's about saying what you have to say. It's about making sentences, making words. It's about finding that what you want to say. Um, and it's not about being published. And I think that's the thing we're at what point do we begin getting graded on our work in school? You know, if I got graded on my spelling words you know, because I missed the spelling word, not the creation of my sentence, that's going to shut me down. I mean, any, as opposed to just let me say it, let me be free and, and, and say that. Yeah, I'm talking a lot. No, you're, you're saying brilliant things. Keep going. Like all these thoughts yes, are in my head going. and I'm thinking yes to that. Yes to that. And I'm so sick of people asking me what show have we seen you in or what movie have you been in? It's like, yes. I get so exhausted by that question because yes. it's it's really not relevant and it's you know I do have to think I do go okay pause they're just trying to connect with me mm -hmm. that's what they're trying to do right now Meredith so just breathe and um but it is something that artists and if you say identify as a writer or identify as an actor or identify as a, a visual artist that that's what people do often that is such a good point, and I thank you for that. I had not considered that. They want, they don't know how to approach it another way, like you know. But and so that is the measure of any art, I guess, is has it been made public yet? Can I see it? Can I know it? Can I read it? Can I hear it? Um, and I'm wondering if we can change that conversation a little bit. And when somebody says, "Oh, I'm a writer." Can we respond with, are you enjoying it these days? Because that's really the measure of our success, right, Judy? Yes. How much are we enjoying being an actor, being a writer, being a visual artist, being a coach? Are we still enjoying it? And if yes. not, what can we move on to? Is it still filling me, right? Mm -hmm. Does it fill me? Because sometimes enjoying, yes, but sometimes it's damn hard, uh, you know, to, when you run into kind of a knot of some kind and... But still, there is that enjoyment of being able to untie that knot, isn't there, to unknot it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Finding joy in your work. That's the thing. I wrote that down this morning about finding joy. Um, yeah. 
lead with joy. That's been my mantra. What, J- Joseph, we spoke over each other. You go, my friend. <laughs> I said I was looking over Judy's shoulder when she was journaling this morning. That's how I knew she wrote about joy. You were. <laughs> so, That's really weird. <laughs> what about, what do you wish you had written this morning? You told us what you wrote, your 70 sentences. What do you wish you had written? What do I wish I had written? Well, oh my gosh. I think I wish I had gone a little bit deeper into some questions that I have for myself. Um, I, I mentioned that I just returned from a week of being away with my best friend. We met at an Airbnb in North Carolina in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's the first vacation I've had in a, in a really long time. And I wanted to use that time to, um, to consider my place now, consider, you know, just sometimes you have to step away to be able to look at yourself, retreat, you know, and I know that you all believe in that so much. I mean, it's so important for us to be able to do that, to get out of the busyness of it and retreat and ask yourself questions or let yourself be quiet enough to listen to that inner voice. And so since I come back, Joseph, I, I, I think the first, uh, Day Sunday, I I created about I filled about eight pages, five pages this morning. There's however seventy percent, but I still have not asked those questions. Maybe I don't even know what the questions are. Maybe that's the question I have to ask myself. What is the question <laughs> you want to ask yourself? Yeah, hmm. yeah. Okay, and so can I go now? I have to answer some questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, for our listeners, sweetheart, and even for ourselves, sometimes we don't ask those questions. And I'm not saying this is true for you because I've known you and and you're a brave, brave soul. But for some of our listeners, they don't want to ask the questions. Should I quit my job? Should I leave my husband? Should I go back to school? How do I get out of debt? What's my vision? What do I want to create in my life? Yeah. Do do both of you use the journal as a way of dialoguing with yourself? Um, Because I think that can be such a safe place to ask those questions, you know, to go to the journal and write them down. And then if you, if it scares you so much, I mean, I've torn pages out of my journal and torn them up and thrown them away. I have Mm -hmm. burned them. I have, you know, I have gone back to journals I wrote 10 years previous and tore pages out because I didn't, you know, and so that mm. self-censorship is there and it's scary asking those questions. Um, and I, so I, that's why I, I think the journal is just such a sort, such a resource for us. And that dialogue, you know, dialoguing with yourself through the journal, dialoguing with the journal, sometimes even in dialogue, uh, dialoguing with my body. I've done that before. Um, do you know Ira Progoff's work, the intensive journal workshop? No. Ira Progoff was a Jungian um, um, psychotherapist who worked with a lot of creative people and he developed the um, uh, uh, intensive journal workshop and he would uh, hold workshops, weekend workshops, retreat workshops, and people would be trained in this particular method. Um, uh, and, and you would learn to do this dialoguing with the self, dialoguing with wisdom figures, dialoguing you know, with others. It had a, a, a really big impact on me. I did it in the late 80s, early 90s, several um, times and still use many of those methods today. Um, so, you know, so that kind of a dialogue 
can can be can be safe and can even though those questions are hard. And sometimes I write in my journal. I don't want to answer you right now. Shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go eat another orange or something. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, to answer your question, I'm a big journaler. And for all of my coaching clients, I always encourage them to do the morning pages, which, as you know, was designed by... by um, Julia Cameron. Julia Cameron. Thank you. And I encourage people to spell it morning in the traditional sense or morning in the grief sense, because sometimes there's that. And for those of us that get stuck with journaling, I just offer the prompt of what I really want to say is. Yes. What I really want to say is. And sometimes we have to write in code because we're worried that we're going to have a heart attack in the middle of the night and somebody's going to read what we've written, right? So to keep it private, you can develop your own language if you want to or or write over top of each other. Mm-hmm. You know? Right yeah. over and over, over top of the words. So that also works for privacy. I don't think my husband would that. read my journal. <laughs> you know, I was afraid anybody who would come and stay at my house would read my journals. And then, I, you know, once I read them back, I thought, oh, hell, you know, I am so bored. Imagine how somebody else would feel. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just have to acknowledge that I want to be a part of this conversation. We have Jack Hammers in the background. So hello, listeners. Embrace New York right now. OK, that's what we're going to do. OK. And if you can't hear it, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Can I speak to that for a second? I think we brought this up before, Meredith, yeah. about noise and things. So some of us who want to create something in the world, we wait for it to be perfect. Right? Oh, yes. We wait for the jackhammer to stop. We wait for the right microphone. We wait for the right journal. We write for the great book title. And that's kind of what our podcast is about, right? Not waiting because it can be imperfect. We're human beings, you know? Welcome in the jackhammers of our world, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be imperfect, Joseph, because there's no perfect. Right? There is none. Mm-mm, I've tried. <laughs> but with social media, when people are curating their images or their stories or their reels, it looks perfect. It looks really good. Like, I want to eat that food. I want to have that waistline. I want to have that production company. Yeah. yeah. Judy? Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask you. Please go, Joseph. I won't say. Can you tell us about your books? Yes, I will tell you about my books. <laughs> the ones that I publish or the ones that have not been published? All of the above. What, the what was the first one that came to mind? Uh, the first one that came to mind, well, I behind me um, on, on the, in the Zoom um, picture is uh, a writer's book of days, which... Uh, talking about curating and that was the question I was going to ask is curating your zoom background, which, you know, so many of us have done, but so a writer's book of days uh, was uh, the one that came to mind first. It's my, my first published book and my, you know, that, that first one is always holds a special place. And so a writer's book of days, I have um, at least two complete novels that have not been published um, that have gone through many drafts. So those are in the drawer. So I count those two um, because they, I don't want to say they were practice novels, but they, they uh, were um, stories that wanted to be told and I, and I wrote them and uh, I, I still like them. They just haven't been published yet. So um, Writer's Book of Days, the first book came out of, as we were talking about writing practice groups, came out of uh, after five years of doing writing 
practice groups, uh, drop-in writing practice groups. It's a writer's book of days offers a prompt for every day of the year, just for writers to be able to, if you, I don't know what to write about, write about Saturday afternoon, you're not at home. You know, I don't know what to write about. It's raining. Write about that. You know, I don't know what to write about. Look out the window. Um, I don't know what to write about. So, um, it has those prompts in it and also just tips and tricks and guidelines. The subtitle is a lively, a lively companion, spirited, God, who even knows what the subtitle is? A spirited companion, a lively muse for the writing life. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> you mentioned that I had two books, uh, Joseph, actually I have four uh, that have been published uh, all by New World Library and all having to do with writing and particularly with generative writing, not um, not so much uh, technique or craft as it is generative writing. And the second book is called <clears throat> Writing Alone, Writing Together. And that is a guide for individual writers and for writing groups because I, I've started a number of writing groups and through um, the Writing Center, uh, which was the first nonprofit literary organization I, I founded um, in San Diego. Uh, out of that came so many writing groups. How do you know, get in a writing group? I always tell people get in a writing group and find the one that suits what your needs are, what your wants are, how you want to grow as a writer, how you want to develop your writing self, whether you want to do workshops to learn the craft, whether you want to be in a reading critique group, whether you want a writing practice group, whether you want a journal group. And so it's it's how to organize and, and develop those groups as well as how to write, how to develop your own writing on, a, on an individual level. And then... Um, after that book came another book called uh, The Writer's Retreat Kit, and it was uh, encouraging all of us to go on writing retreats or any kind of retreat, really, any kind of soulful retreat that will nurture your own uh, creative spirit and creative well-being and, and creative practice. And so this one happened to be uh, writing, and there are 20 guided it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful little kit. New World Library came to me and said, we want to make these kits. And so um, there, it's a little box that has a book and then it has some cards in it. So it's 20 guided writing retreats. And then came the second edition of Writer's Book of Days, which is the one with that beautiful tequila sunrise color on the front with the book falling down. Uh, and that second edition of that came out. And then um, in 2015, um, I had begun doing writing workshops called uh, Wild Women, Wild Voices. And so the book, Wild Women, Wild Voices, Writing from Your Authentic Wildness, came out of those writing groups. The first one that I ever did was called Hot Nights, Wild Women, because I did it in the summertime. <laughs> and it was so much fun. Women writing together is so juicy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is true, you know, probably, Joseph, with men writing together, too, because there's something about being in. It's not juicy. No. <laughs> it Joseph be, was just know? shaking his head. He's like, no. Well, it certainly can be, you know, when David Cohen but, is leading um, it, for sure. <laughs> You know, going back to some of the things we were talking about earlier in the day, those first yeses and those first no, I don't think so's and those first don't do it that way, do it this way. Going back to early, early. So I start with the wild child. 
um, and bring and come all the way through different aspects of women's lives. And, and we work through explorations. I don't call them writing exercises. I call them writing explorations of uh, looking at exploring aspects of our life and how it was for us then. And it can, while, you know, going through those um, wild child, wild girl years, going through, um, you know, our families, going through our friendships, uh, going through our art, wild woman as creator, wild woman um, uh, as loves and lovers. What, you know, what does that look like? Uh, tonight is my last, it's the 12th of the this session, because there are 12 sessions in the workshops that come from the book, and it is death, loss, loss and legacies. And so uh, we, you know, we visit our shadow side. Now we're going to look at death, loss and legacies as our final installation of, um, of writing through that, through that work, through that book. My next book is, is uh, <laughs> not a writing book. <laughs> okay, that, that's all. <laughs> mm. So two things come to mind. Thank you, thank okay. you. You have been an incredibly brave force in giving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people permission to write. So that's huge. Can we have a round of applause for Judy Reed for doing that? <laughs> and the second thing is it makes me think, is it Barbara Dilly? Meredith, that's going to be our podcast guest coming up in the next week or two, who is mm -hmm. giving herself permission to die. Age. Age. Mm -hmm. End of so life. She's an older woman, and she was an amazing artist in her lifetime. And I don't want to take the spotlight away from you, but just oh, no. you know what I'm you're doing in the 12th week is, you know, that's a huge thing to give ourselves permission to age and to come to terms with our death. Right. Yeah. That's happening. I'm I'm really because of my own aging. I and and seeing so many powerful women in the world right now, and I'm, who are you know they're in their look at Jane Fonda for example. You know, I mean, look at some of these women who are in their 80s and even up into their 90s who are still doing valuable, important you know work. They're still making noise. They're still being fierce, and I'm so interested in this that. That's pulling me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I will definitely want to know this woman. What's her name? Please say again. Her name is Barbara Dilly. And she's a mentor of mine who uh, I met when I went to Naropa University, uh, where I got my MFA. And she she was a dancer with Merce Cunningham. And um, she's had quite the rich history. She's just a, a beautifully spirited human. And we're going to interview her in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, she's, and so how old, do you know how old she, or in what decade, let's say? Um, in her 80s. In her 80s. And mm -hmm. these are exactly the women I'm talking about now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I love them. Yes. <laughs> I do. They're exci so exciting. So much beauty and wisdom. Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So some of our listeners, Judy, they might have some stories to tell. And they may see the pen sitting on the table or they may see the keyboard sitting on their desk and they just they're really hesitant i'll use that word they're really hesitant to get started because maybe they didn't get those yeses when they were young or maybe they haven't gotten them since or maybe they don't have a team of people or a writing group around the corner what can we share with them to help them get started oh my goodness 
this is what I've come to say. They just start there. This is what I want to say. I think, what was the one that you said before, Joseph? What I really want to say is? Or yes, exactly. Yeah. And just starting off with, this is what I, this is what, you know, another one is today, <laughs> this morning. Noticing what you've noticed and writing about that. I think Natalie Goldberg talks about it, I think, in one of her books. You know, if you can't think of what you want to write about, just look at where it's right in front of you. So I say, put yourself in front of something that's lovely to look at, you know. <laughs> put yourself in front of something. I mean, my kitchen window every morning, the squirrels, the doves, the flowers, the butterflies, and what's closer even than that, you know, the little frog planter that just makes me smile every time I see it with its little succulents coming out of it. Um, the candle, looking into the candle flame. So what's right in front of you. And if you don't know what to say about it, describe its physical characteristics. You know, what color is it? What's the shape? You know, where did it come from? Because everything has a story. I've done some workshops about that, the stories and things. Everything has a story. Where did this come from? You know, where did that frog come from? Oh, on Mother's Day, my mother-in-law, my co-mother-in-law gave all of us girls, girls. Oh, I love my, I told myself a girl. <laughs> um, she gave all of us daughters, you know, um, these frog, uh, ceramic frogs, uh, planters with succulents in it. And it has brought so much delight. And so to write about that. And then from there, wherever the pen wants to take you, you know, don't stop. Keep the pen moving. Keep the fingers mm -hmm. going. Even when you don't know what to say, you say, I don't know what to say, but you keep the pen moving. And the next thing you know is, you know, and the thing about my mother, my co-mother-in-law is, you know, um, the last thing she gave me was, or when I was a kid, there were frogs. I used to catch frogs. I had a frog I captured and put it in a little... Listen, see, the stories just want to come. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what will happen if you just don't stop, if you start and don't stop. You know, another thing, Joseph, and I do this in my um, um, writing practice groups, is timed writings, timed focused writings. If you set the timer, set it for seven minutes, and then don't stop writing until the timer goes off, there's some kind of a intensity of focus. There's some kind of... Uh, yeah, it just brings you in and uh, you you don't look up. You don't stop to think. That's the worst thing to do is thinking, you know, stopping to think. Is that the right word? Is that what I really want to say? Um, so I think, you know, writing about what's right in front of you. Don't stop. Set a timer. What else? Yeah. One thing that sometimes stops us is... Writers say, but nobody's going to want to read this. This is boring. Nobody wants to hear about my fucking frog, right? That's, that's what stops us. I know it does. I know. Oh. I'm not going to say what word just came to my mind. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> really, I want to hear about my frog. You know, what do I have to say? My, what do I have to say? What is my story about the frog? And so what if nobody ever reads this? I, maybe I don't even want anybody to read this. God knows I'm not going to tell anybody to read what's in my journal this morning. Right. If you are 
honest. And, and when I say honest, I'm not talking about bearing your soul. I'm just saying I see my frog as green and it's the kind of green that I saw as a little girl in the ponds in the Midwest. That's my truth. That's as honest as I can get about that color green. And so being that kind of honest and, 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 and this is on, this is how it is to me, trusting that, you know, trusting that it's not, my green is not the same. Meredith, have you ever been to Missouri? Have you ever been to the Northwest Missouri between Kansas city and St. Joe? I've been to Kansas city. So yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have not been by a pond where cows are standing up to their knuckles in muddy water. No. And in there. <laughs> mm. No, so, but if I had, I would be right there with you. <laughs> and that's what I want to do is I want to take you there through describing my frog. Mm. <laughs> Music. That's another thing, too, is the sensory inventory. This is what it sounds like. This is what it smells like. This is how it feels, you know, the texture thing. This is um, how, uh, how it tastes. Frogs? Do I taste frogs? I was once invited to taste frogs. Mm. Frog legs? Oh, it tastes just like chicken. Why, why does everything <laughs> awful just taste like chicken snakes? <laughs> mm. <laughs> they tell me it tastes like chicken. I'm not. Back to Judy is, yes. and I, I'm sure our listeners are getting this, and I don't want to bang it over their heads, but journaling and writing and creative expression in its its beauty is incredibly cathartic and what it does for us is it allows us to get our feelings out so sometimes until now our feelings can get stuck inside and that can be really dangerous and it can lead to disease but that's a totally different podcast topic but journaling just picking up the pen or putting our fingers on the keyboard can be incredibly cathartic and what's great about that is it's also free right how much yes. did this pencil in my hand cost me, right? There's a book by uh, Kathleen Adams uh, called Journal to the Self, and she, she talks about the journal being the 79-cent therapist. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she has an organization called Journalversity, um, and it uh, is um, for journalers, but she also offers accreditation for journal teachers to be able to teach the intensive to, to teach journal journaling as a healing tool. And if I may, while we're talking about journaling, plug another organization that I'm a part of. It's the International Association of Journal Writers, IAJW.org. And this is an organization um, that uh, has been around for a number of years. And um, Linda Monk, M-O-N-K, is the director of it. She's in Canada, but we are we are international. I'm on the council for, for that organization. And, and it offers so many um, tools and opportunities for people to come to know journaling, to do journaling together, to do it alone together. So I, I do want to um, mention those two organizations because they are Thank so you. helpful. Journaling, I think, has, I, I, I cannot tell you how, it, I, I know that it has allowed me to know myself more than any therapist I've ever <laughs> worked with, and there've been a few of them. Uh, <laughs> it was a, yeah, it, it, for me, it was a cool thing to do when you were when I was a kid. It was like the cool thing to do was journal, especially in the group of people I hung out with. And um, I would say it saved me. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
It saved me. And I today I'm encouraging my own daughter. She had some conflict at camp with another kid. And I said, when you wake up in the morning, you grab your journal and you write down all of the feelings that you're feeling into your journal because it can handle it. Mm. I love that. It I can handle that. it. Yeah. It's a safe place. Yeah. There's uh, journaling in, in couples, like to writing journaling together, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the same journal. But yes, for for uh, some some classes uh, offer invite the teacher invites journaling, and then she wants to read the journals. I don't know how I feel about that. Hmm. But, I guess it, yeah. ma- it it would depend on the intention, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In high school, we were encouraged to write in our journals, and then we had to pass them in. I think it was on Fridays. And the teacher would write them. I mean, how freeing is that when you know there's going to be an audience that potentially <laughs> going to grade you? So not only that, yeah, a teacher who's going to grade you. Mm. Yeah, no, I, no, because no. then you can't talk about that teacher like this teacher is lousy, <laughs> <laughs> making me turn in my journal. How freeing mm-hmm. is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, telling the truth. You know, I will also is. say that keeping our journals because some people, I, I have a deal with my best friend, the one I was just with in North Carolina. You know, if I should die before I wake, throw my journals in the lake. You know, come and get all these journals and get rid of them. <laughs> But then after I found out, nobody would want to read them anyway. But um, <laughs> keeping our journals, for example, um, I, I did a, a very long trip, a retreat trip, kind of, as it were, a journey um, after my husband died and I was changing my life. I was going to be a single woman. I hadn't been ever, <laughs> forever. And I kept journals of my trip. And now my memoir has come out of those journals 30 years after. Mm-hmm. So the journals can be valuable that way too. And I had a, a friend who was uh, cleaning out after her aunt died and cleaning out her aunt's house and came apro- across a, a journal and got to know her aunt in a way that she couldn't have known if it had just been biographical facts. Instead, it was today we had, you know, cucumber soup at lunchtime and last night's storm, there was a, you know, a tree that fell across the sidewalk in the lightning storm. Those day in and day out things that we write about in our journals that allow, if we want them to be legacy journals for our family to have after, then um, then they can know us in a, in a whole different way. Yeah. I was just thinking about like the diary of Anne Frank, like what a gift that was to the world that those were, that was found. And, and I was also thinking, I have two friends who they took their childhood journals and they turned it into a T a TV show. What am I saying? I, you know, Linda, if you're listening right now, maybe you're turning into a TV show, but they turned it into a play and they're touring with it called girls only. And it's hilarious because we're funny people. Mm -hmm. We are such strange little nuggets of flesh roaming around on the planet. Mm -hmm. So there's some, there's quite the delight, you know, that you can find in these journals as well. So I just love what, you know, should be about you first, but who the heck knows what that could turn into later, right? Right. <laughs> and also each of our stories are, are unique. Everything that mm-hmm. we've experienced, we are the only people that have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so why not tell? Why not tell? Why That's not tell? how I say, you know, about how our stories connect us. You yeah. know, if I, if I hear about the lightning storm that came and knocked the tree down in my aunt's, you know, not my aunt, but you, you know, if I hear about that, it's like, oh, 
And so that must have been scary. You know, I can connect on that level. It's like what you said. They're trying, Meredith, about, you know, when they ask, have you been published? Uh, we're always looking for ways to connect with each other, aren't we? Mm-hmm. To be seen and to hear and see each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So important. And likewise, all of us want to be seen and we want to be acknowledged. So, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Any last questions, Meredith? No, I just can't believe I just called humans little nuggets of flesh. But yeah, it's cool. I don't have any lasting questions. <laughs> you heard it here first. Little nuggets of flesh. <laughs> little nuggets of storytelling flesh. <laughs> and Judy and, and I didn't even notice it. We're like, well, of course we are. Yeah, that's of course we're nuggets of, of flesh. Judy, where can people find and connect with you, my dear? I am judyreeveswriter.com is my website. I am learning and trying more Insta, but I'm not quite there yet. So, uh, <laughs> um, um, and I'm on Facebook, but mostly I think, you know, my website and that will connect us to all of these other places. I have a newsletter that I uh, send out monthly um, and um, they can sign up for that if they would like to know more of what I'm doing, where I'm going to be, what I think, what I have to say, what I love, what brings me joy and what little nuggets of flesh I've been hugging. <laughs> I think I might trademark I that. Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for being generous with us and listeners, please go ahead and comment, leave a review, subscribe. And if you found value in this, which I bet you did, please go ahead and share it with your friends, family, and people you don't like, because maybe that'll change your relationship. It might. Not liking you. It might. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Judy, it was such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast. And uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you um, flesh nugget to flesh nugget at some point. Well, I will look forward to that too. Thank you so much, Joseph, my darling. I hope to see you in Mexico soon. Absolutamente. Gracias. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Are You Waiting for Permission? If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Amy Shelley and Gary Grandi of High Fiction for letting us use their music in this podcast. All right, my friends, until next week. Bye. Bye.